Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. This morning's sermon is uh, particularly focused on the first two verses of Habakkuk chapter 2. I'll just read them very quickly. God answers the prophet. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. And how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. This morning we're going to look at four keys to hearing God's voice. The age in which we live is so married to rationalism and cognitive analytical thought that if I wasn't a Christian I'm sure I would mock at any person who claimed to be able to hear the voice of God. However, because of who I am as a believer, I do not mock for three reasons. First, men and women of God, throughout the Bible, heard God's voice. Secondly, there are some highly effective and reputable men and women of God alive today who demonstrate very clearly that they hear God's voice. For example, Julian Adams accurately foretold the devastating floods that we had in the summer of 2007. And Ginny from Sheffield in May 2007 accurately predicted the start of the credit crunch which began towards the end of 2007. Lastly, there's a deep hunger within us all to commune with God and hear him speak within our hearts. As a Bible-believing Christian, I struggled with little success for many years to hear God's voice. I prayed, I studied my Bible, I listened for a voice within, all to no avail. There was no inner voice that I could hear. I've subsequently come to understand four keys that have opened the way to my hearing from Father and the door to two-way prayer. All these four keys are found within the first two verses of Habakkuk chapter 2 which we've just looked at. Key number one. Learn to know the sound of God's voice. God's voice in our heads sounds like a flow of spontaneous thoughts. So when I tune to God, I tune to spontaneity. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2 verse 2, The Lord answered me and said, Habakkuk knew the sound of God's voice. Elijah described it as a still, small voice. I'd always listened for an inner, audible voice. And surely God can and does speak that way at times. But I found that for most of us, most of the time, or as the famous economist Keynes said, as a rule and on the average, God's inner voice comes to us as spontaneous thoughts, visions, feelings or impressions. So for example, haven't each of us had the experience of walking down the road and having a thought come to us to pray for a certain person or for a certain situation? We generally acknowledge this to be the voice of God calling us to pray for that particular individual. My question for you this morning is, 
What did God's voice sound like as you walked down the road? Was it an inaudible voice or was it a spontaneous thought that lit up your mind? Most of us, I suspect, will say that God's voice comes to us as a spontaneous thought. So my conclusion is that when I listen for God's voice, I should be listening for a flow of spontaneous thoughts, visions, feelings or impressions. The Bible confirms this. The definition of pega, the Hebrew word for intercession, is a chance encounter or accidental intersecting. When God lays people on our hearts for intercession, he does it through pega, a chance encounter thought, intersecting our thought processes. So when I tune to God, I tune to chance encounter thoughts or spontaneous thoughts. Key number two. Stilling our thoughts and emotions in order to hear from God. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. I must learn to still my own thoughts and emotions so I can sense God's flow of thoughts and emotions within me. Habakkuk said, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. Habakkuk did that in order to hear God's quiet, inner, unprompted thoughts. He had to first go to a quiet place and still his own thoughts and emotions. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. It encourages us to be still and know that He is God. In our 24-7 culture, it's not always easy to get hold of that time to be still and know that He is God. But there's a deep inner knowing in our spirit that each of us can experience when we quiet our flesh and our minds. So how do we quiet ourselves so that we can more readily pick up God's spontaneous flow? I can only share what's effective and works for me. I find that singing out to God through a quiet worship song is the most effective means for me. It is as I become still in thoughts, will and emotions that the flow of the Holy Spirit is released. So after I worship God quietly and then choose to become still, I can open myself to the flow. If thoughts come to me of things I've forgotten to do, I write them down and dismiss them. If thoughts of guilt or unworthiness come to mind, I repent, receiving the cleansing blood, and I put on Christ's robe of righteousness, seeing myself spotless in the presence of God. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What we fix our gaze or focus on, we will become. If we fix our gaze on Jesus, we will become like him. Once we are still in his presence and our focus is upon him, I find that a two-way dialogue begins to flow and I'm actually conversing with the King of Kings. The key is to become still and properly focused. If you're not still, you will simply receive your own thoughts. If you're not properly focused on Jesus, you'll receive an impure flow because the flow comes out of that on which you fixed your eyes. If you fix your gaze on some desire of your heart, the flow will come out of that desire of your heart. 
Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So to have a pure flow, you must first of all become still, and secondly fix your eyes firmly upon Jesus. Corporately, we find this a flow of the Spirit when we meet on Sunday mornings, and in prayer and cell groups, as we worship and praise Him. And in my experience, I find quietly worship Him in song is a great way to tune into the flow of the Spirit. When, my, when I'm on my own waiting for God to speak, there's sometimes, even with singing out a quiet worship song to assist me, quite a waiting process required in order to get myself still. And there really are no shortcuts. It is here that I just have to be patient, persevering and push through. It's not that there's any shortage of things that Father wants to speak to me about. It's my willingness and ability to tune in that's the real issue. Key number three. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. As I pray, I fix my eyes upon Jesus, seeing in the Spirit the dreams and visions of Almighty God. In verse 1, Habakkuk said, I will keep watch. And in verse 2, God said, Record the vision. It's very interesting that Habakkuk was going to actually start looking for vision as he prayed. He was going to open the eyes of his heart and look into the spiritual realms to see what God wanted to show him. God gave us eyes in our hearts and this is confirmed in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 where Paul prays for the eyes of the Ephesians hearts to be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which they have been called. The eyes of our heart are used to see into the spiritual realm, the vision and movement of Almighty God. Scripture, for example, in Ephesians 6 verse 12, says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And this scripture makes very clear there's an active spiritual realm functioning all around us. This spiritual realm is the full of the omnipresent God, his omnipresent Son Jesus, the Holy Spirit and angels and demons too. There's no reason for me not to see it other than my rational culture which tells me not to believe it's even there and certainly provides no instructions on how to become open to seeing in the spiritual realm. By the time I qualified as an accountant at the end of the 1980s, I'd been sat in classrooms and lecture theatres for 20 years, and never once in that period had I received any instruction as to the, the spiritual realm ever existed, or even as to how to see into the spiritual realm. The most obvious prerequisite for seeing is that we need to look. In Daniel chapter 4 is recorded Daniel's vision at night of four beasts. In the space of 20 verses it is recorded nine times that Daniel either looked or watched the vision. Now as I pray I look for Jesus as he speaks to me, doing and saying the things that are on his heart. I am convinced that in these days God is calling his people to look and see. Why do I believe that? Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. 
as Jesus shows you what is on his heart, don't forget to record the vision as Habakkuk encourages us to do, and as Daniel did. Because as you do so and consider what you're being shown, it will help you as you mix it with faith to recognise that the content could only come from the omnipresent God himself. God continually revealed himself to his covenant people using dreams and visions. He did so from Genesis through to Revelation and said that since the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 we should expect to receive a continuing flow of dreams and visions. Jesus, our perfect example, demonstrated this ability of living out of ongoing contact with Almighty God. He said in John chapter 5 verses 19 to 20 and in verse 30 that he did nothing on his own initiative but only what he saw the Father doing and heard the Father saying. John chapter 5 verse 19 to 20 says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. And in John chapter 5 verse 30, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me. Jesus showed us an incredible way to live. Can we actually live out of the divine initiative as Jesus did? I firmly believe that that is what God would have us do and is calling us to do. A major purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection was that the veil be torn from top to bottom, giving us access to the immediate presence of God. And in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 22, we are commanded to draw near. Even though what I'm saying this morning seems quite unusual to a rational 21st century culture, what I'm saying this morning is demonstrated and set out a central biblical teaching and experience. It is time to restore the church all that belongs to the church. A really good example of seeing in the spirit is set out in 2 Kings chapter 6. The Syrian army had surrounded Dothan, a city in Israel, wanting to capture the prophet Elisha. This was much to the consternation and anxiety of Elisha's servant. To calm his servant's fear, Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes would be opened. He then encouraged his servant, saying in verse 16, Don't be afraid, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. As the Lord opened the servant's eyes, he saw what Elisha saw, the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Key number four, journaling. The writing out of our prayers and God's answers provides a great new freedom in hearing God's voice. In Habakkuk 2 verse 2, God told the prophet to record the vision and inscribe it on tablets. As you are still in his presence, focused on Jesus, have a pen and paper available, and as he starts to speak, Write in faith what's being said. Don't try to test it as you receive it, because once the flow is over, you can go back and test it, examining it carefully, making sure it lines up with scripture. 
The problem of trying to test it while you're writing it down is that you will have a tendency to block the flow. So it's best to leave the testing until the flow is over. Don't be put off by doubt. Remind yourself that this is a central biblical concept and that God is present with you speaking to his children. Don't take yourself too seriously. When you do, you become tense and get in the way of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4 verse 10 says, When we cease our labours and enter his rest, God is free to move. So put a smile on your face, sit back comfortably, get out your pen and paper, and turn your attention to God in praise and worship, seeking his face. If while you're sitting back and comfortable, and you've got your pen and paper out, you do happen to fall asleep. It's okay. God knows what we need. He's bigger than our hearts and he knows what we need day by day, moment by moment. Don't develop a guilt complex about it. Write out your question to God and write down what he says in reply. Later on, as you read your journal, you will realise that you've been conversing with Almighty God. I must add three cautionary notes about journaling. No one should attempt this without having read through at least the New Testament, preferably the entire Bible. Journaling should not be attempted unless you are submitted to solid spiritual leadership. And finally, all significant directional moves that come through journaling should be submitted to spiritual leadership before being acted upon. These cautionary notes may appear at first a bit unnecessary, a bit restrictive, but they're actually there for the purpose of safety and protection. If you're not properly aware of what the Bible says, and or you're not submitted to solid spiritual leadership, the process of journaling could result in you being deceived and led astray by the enemy. It is worth noting that a number of cults have been established as a result of so-called revelation which at first glance appears to be only a little wider than Mark. So let's put this all together in a conclusion application. One of the key results of being touched by the Holy Spirit is that he begins to open the eyes of our hearts so that we begin to see into the spiritual realm. This is the basic nature of those who are born again into a new creation. They begin to see the kingdom of God. It becomes a part of our DNA. In John 18, verse 36, Jesus explained this point very clearly before Pilate, that his kingdom is not of this world or of this realm. As we have seen, Elisha could sit on the side of a hill in perfect peace, even though a whole army was about to attack him, because he could see into the realm of the Spirit. We will not be overly concerned about any situation facing us here on earth if our spiritual eyes are really open. If our spiritual eyes are truly open, we will see something even greater than Elisha, who saw angels protecting him. We will see Jesus, who sits above all rule and authority and dominion. If we truly see Jesus where he sits, and we know that we've been sent by him, how could we fear anything or anyone on this earth? The Lord Jesus himself walked this way, seeing what the Father was doing, and he gave us his Holy Spirit so that we can walk this way. Being born again is just the beginning of our new creation lives.
Just as being born physically is the beginning of our lives in the natural world. Our spiritual nature is something we must grow up into, which is in truth growing up into Christ and becoming a functional member of his body here on earth. We cannot see the kingdom without being born again, but not all who are born again are able to see the kingdom. I repeat, we cannot see the kingdom without being born again, but not all who are born again are able to see the kingdom. We may not see the kingdom because we refuse to see, because of fear or for some other perfectly valid reason. This morning there will be a ministry time after this session. Specifically, there is opportunity for prayer if you've been born again but feel you've not, you, you've not yet received the Holy Spirit. You have been born again and desire to see the kingdom of God. The Christian life should lead us to the point where we are more at home in the spiritual realm than we are in the natural. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians, he became more at home in the spiritual realm with the Lord than he was in his physical body. And in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6 to 8 he says, We are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We should in time see more clearly with our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our heart, than we do with our natural eyes. True Christianity is supernatural because we are called to worship God who is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk 